Do you actually think that you need to have a certain amount of money to start a business? What would you say if I told you you actually don't even need to have the money, you can actually outsource it through credit or funds or other things that are easier to come up with than you think? So today I'm going to be talking to Jack McCall, who is a financial expert and serial entrepreneur, and he's going to be telling us all about his endeavors and some secrets into the financial industry. Let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to Pretty Sure Podcast. I have a really interesting guest on today because we are both currently in Mexico in different areas, though I wish I were at the beach. (laughs) He's currently in the beach. But when I was doing some online research about Jax to figure out what kind of questions I would ask, I saw that he's basically done it all. He has been an athlete, he's been a serial entrepreneur, he's been a product business owner, he is currently a serial entrepreneur that travels the world, and so I have so many questions to ask, so I'm really excited to have you on, Jack, and I would love to know your story, so please start us off with a little bit about you. Awesome, Sabrina. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I guess a, a story in a nutshell for me, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I'm from Seattle, Washington, Went to school at University of Washington, where I studied business. And since then, I've um, I've been traveling a lot for the most part. I've been to almost 25 different countries uh, over the last five years. And I've created now five six-figure businesses, some of them being product companies. I built and sold a travel company, which I then sold for a six-figure acquisition. And then I just created a seven-figure e-commerce business. And I'm in the process of, of building some other businesses as well. And I think when I go through all of that, looking back at any sort of success, I always think about one thing that really gave me the boost and the advantage to anyone else. And that was having good credit. So basically having good credit and having the ability to borrow large amounts of money, that was really what helped me uh, exceed very far in business very fast. That's a really interesting perspective. And I do have a couple of questions about that. But before we dive into the whole financial aspect and debt and all of those things and credit, I would love to know, did you always want to be an entrepreneur or how did that actual journey begin for you? Great question. I mean, I think I I always wanted to live life on my own terms. And I found out from a very young age that you're able to make that happen if you have your own businesses. My dad was an entrepreneur. He had a, a small software company. He made a very comfortable life for himself, um, but it, he was like a one-man team, very small company. But I was I was able to see him live in a lot of freedom because he was because he was his own boss, and it really inspired me from a young age to start in business so I can create the life freedom that I wanted. So 
uh, in middle school, I would buy, I would buy skateboards and I would spray paint them and I would sell them to the other kids at school. And that was my first time like making, creating any sort of value through selling products. And then went on to a video production company and then kind of letting it led into my other ventures. But yes, I, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I realized that you can't create an ultimate life of complete freedom unless you have your own businesses and that's that's my opinion no i definitely agree with you but basically you're one of those special unicorns that's like i always knew that i wanted to be an entrepreneur as a child because you know i've interviewed a bunch of people and they're either of the hopes of when i was five i was selling lemonade at the lemonade stand or they're on the other spectrum of no it just kind of like happened by accident and now this is the life that i chose so i always find it fascinating and that that is also something my brother and i did a lot is sell a lot of lemonade um, we would have hot chocolate stands, oh you know, I think we, we would try to sell as much as possible. And I think in anything in life, it's all revolved around sales, whether it be in business or it, with a job, like you're always selling something or even in relationships, you're always selling, you know, your vision, like what you think yourself, like, you know, whatever it is, you're always trying to convince different people of what you're trying to make happen. And that's, that's all sales. And so I think if you can you know, bring that, bring that sales skill into your business and, you know, go full throttle like that. I think that's where you're going to see success. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now I'm curious to know what actually drove you to change from being an athlete to a business owner slash entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, um, I used to be a professional snowboarder back in college. Uh, I made, made some money doing it, did it a lot, like a lot of uh, big companies backing me. And it was really fun, like really fun. Taught me like some good discipline. We made incredible snowboard video parts up in the Pacific Northwest in Washington state. But um, it, I kind of realized like th there was no big money in, in the sports, unless you're like at that, you know, that top 5% of the entire industry. Um, it's really tough to, to make an impact career wise. And so I realized it was so much easier to create any sort of wealth or financial freedom through business. And that's when I kind of shifted into just full-time business. And so um, that's when I just, you know, really gave my own business. Were people shocked when you were like, okay, I'm going to stop being a snowboarder now and actually do business? I mean, I, I think so. I think so. Yes. Uh, it was also at the time where like, I just finished college. So it was kind of a time where I, actually, when I graduated college, I had no plan. I had no plan whatsoever. I moved back up to the snowboard resort and then I got injured and that was kind of the, the trigger to me. Like, okay, I kind of got to figure uh, a plan B out. And that's when I started to do different business projects. But I think it, it's pretty cool when people come into uh, possibly working with me and then find out that I used to be a, a pretty good athlete. And I think being an athlete, it trains your mind in a, in a specific way where you have a lot of discipline. And so I think when, um, when, when there's potential prospects that I'm talking to, whether it be in a consulting company or in e-commerce, you know, when athletes talk to, to another athlete, you know, they, it's kind of like a mutual respect because it's like you have to go through so much to compete on a high level in sports. And so I think um, other people realize that. For sure. And the discipline as well, you know, like you have to sacrifice stuff to be able to go to trainings. You have to sacrifice stuff to go to contests or like shows or whatever that is. So definitely agree with you. I'm curious to know, how did you come up with your first product? Because, you know, I know that you came up with that. Uh, what's it called? Like that uh, glider. I don't know. Hoverboard. Yes, that's the word I was yes. looking for. The glider. And then you came up with that like big bubble cushion thingies. Like how did you come up with those ideas? Yeah. I mean, so the the very first product was a hoverboard. So it's a two-wheel self-balancing scooter. We called it glider. And my friend had a, a plug on a manufacturer in China that, that was making them. 
and he was importing them from China and he was trying to sell them, but he really had no idea how to sell them. At the time, I had like 15,000 followers on Instagram and we were going back and forth on ideas. He's like, yo, Jack, how do we sell a thousand of these at a thousand dollars? Cause that's a million dollars. And we started posting on social media. We started making videos. We started to get different influencers involved to take photos and promote the products. And then we started doing Facebook ads. That was like our, our first experience on Facebook ads, any sort of advertising. And then it was really the combination of having extremely good content and teaming up with extremely influential social media influencers um, like Nash Career, Hayes Career, Bart Baker, um, who were very popular on Vine at the time. And because we had such good branding of the product, we were able to sell our product for like over a thousand dollars when our competitors were only selling theirs for like five to 700. So it was essentially the same product, but because we made it look so much better, we were able to get such a higher margin. Oh my God, everything is down to branding. You know, that's why people spend $200 in Gucci tights that have holes in them, which to me, it's still very bizarre. Like I did that to my tights the other day and people did not know the difference. But yes, branding is the whole thing. 100%, 100%. So that's really why I think we succeeded in that. We did that for about a year, almost almost made a deal with Mark Cuban. Uh, Long story short, we had a letter of intent to work with Mark Cuban, but um, he never ended up buying the patent for the product which left us in a tough position. But after that, we flew to China. My business partner, Jared Getz and I flew to China, pretty ballsy move, but we found a different product, basically like an inflatable lounger. And so you see these at music festivals, you can fill them up with, with no pump, lay on them like an uh, inflatable hammock, basically. And similar story. So we were, we were one of the first to market the hoverboard in the States. And then similar to the Dumbo lounge sacks, the inflatable loungers, we were first to market that product in the States. And so when people saw this, it was like an absolute wow factor. They've never seen it before. And so we went hard on the content, tons of videos, tons of photos. We got influencers involved, did tons of advertising on Facebook. We partnered up with music festivals. Uh, we even partnered up with like the VH1 Streamies Awards and had some influencers riding them on stage. So we just went, you know, complete, complete full throttle. And I think like the, the, the fact that people haven't seen them before, mm-hmm. plus our amazing content, I think that's what really did it for us. What's the most important thing you learned from running product-based businesses? Because obviously it's a whole other enchilada compared to, you know, having a service-based business, consulting, coaching, whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's content. I think it's delivering a message through photos and videos that just make it, make it seem like an experience that the customer wants to experience. So for like the hoverboards, it was like, you know, riding them, you know, with like an attractive figure on the, in a, an attractive location, you know, it, that experience they're watching in this video is something that they probably want to experience. So if they have the hoverboard, they can then go experience it. And with the, with the loungers, if they have this, they can be as comfortable as the people in the advertisers. So I think the content was like absolutely huge for us. Okay. That's a good lesson to take. And where did your interest from finance come from? Like, where did you learn everything that you know now? Was it through trial and error throughout your whole product-based business experience? Or did you take a course? Or is it just like something that came naturally to you? Like, tell us a little bit about that. It, most of it is definitely through trial and error. I've learned some some key strategies through older mentors, you know, very successful entrepreneurs that I'm connected with. But most of it is just trial and error. And the thing is, like the, the internal bank rules with credit specifically, they're always changing. So you have to just try new things and see what works. I think a lot of people are, were asking me, like, how have I been so successful in business, back to back six figure businesses? And I would you know, ask myself, like, how how am I how am I making this happen? And I, I always had access to borrow large amounts of money at, at very low interest. And if you do it through 0% interest credit cards, you can borrow the money for free. And so I really, I realized 
this is what I was doing. And then I realized that other people need to learn this stuff. Um, so that's when I put together my coaching program where I specifically teach people about, about credit, how to optimize their personal credit and get approved for top business cards with extremely high limits in a very short period of time. And so basically on the business card side, they have an introductory period of 0% for the first anywhere between six and 18 months. So if you get a $20,000 business credit card with a 0% for 18 months, that means you can borrow that $20,000 for free for 18 months. And so I'm a big advocate of using your personal savings into long-term assets like real estate, cryptocurrency, stock market, and then using a 0% interest business card into a business, assuming that business can generate an ROI before that introductory period ends. So if it's 12 months, you make sure it's 12 months, if it's 18 months, 18 months. And then even if you need more time, you can then balance transfer the debt from the one card into a second card. Okay, this is very fascinating. Yeah, so I, I really realized like having the access to money was a major, major needle mover. And so that's when I just went all into credit. I learned everything there is to learn about it. I started teaching people, doing tons of trial and error. And because I was, I'm working now with 50 to 100 students right now, um, I'm able to really get amazing data points to see what actually works and what's not working and can see like, you know, how are the bank rules changing specifically because of COVID and things like that. But the big thing like I try to coach people on is like how to make them attractive for the banks because the banks want to lend money. That's what they do. They just want to lend to people that don't look risky. And so a couple of things you can do to not look risky is to optimize your personal credit. So the thicker file you have on the personal side, the less risky you, you look. So you want multiple accounts. You want three to six primary personal accounts before doing any business cards. And you want low utilization under 30%, ideally under 10%. And you want relationships with banks. So you want relationships with like Chase, Amex, US Bank, Bank of America, and the better relationships you have and the stronger personal credit you have, the more money they're going to lend you on the business side. So does this transfer to international, like to other countries, or is it mostly US-based? 100% it transfers to anywhere. It's the same concept of just optimizing your personal credit score. Each country has different credit scoring systems, but the principles in general apply the same. And card issuers like Amex, American Express, they're, they're global. So even in the UK, uh, in different European countries, everyone has Amex. Mm -hmm. The only things the banks are looking at on the business card applications is what kind of business do you have? What's the revenue? What's the estimated revenue? What's the relationship you have with the bank? And then what does your personal credit look like? And because the business cards aren't reported to your personal credit, mm -hmm. that, that's why your personal credit is so important. And then also because the business cards don't report to your personal credit, it actually gives you the ability to use the business cards without it affecting your personal credit score. Let me give you an example. So if you had a $20,000 credit card on the personal side and you used all of that money, that would be 100% utilization and it would negatively affect your score. But if you had a $20,000 business card and you used all of that money, left a balance, it doesn't report that utilization to your personal credit. And so you can use all of the money and still keep a super high credit score. And so like I have, I've just, I've been approved for over $300,000 in credit lines in just in the last year alone. And I am maintaining an 805 plus FICO score, which is an extremely, extremely high score. And I'm using all the money, but the key is you have to optimize your personal credit first 
and then get it on the business side. And then you only leave the balances on the business cards because it doesn't report to the utilization. That is insane. Okay, first of all, how do you not get confused with all of the cards that you have? And how do you have like a tracking schedule? Because I, I mean, I have, I think, like six different bank accounts, and I go nuts. But looking at you, you know, for people that are what they're not watching this, but are actually listening, he's basically holding up like, what, 15 cards, more than 15 cards. Yeah, more than 15 cards. But I mean, setting up auto pay is extremely important. I recommend that to every single person setting up auto pay. And you want to, you want to use the best banks because they have the best auto pay feature. The, the lower tier banks don't have the best auto pay. And then if you miss a payment, then it's bad for your credit. But yes, setting up auto pay is super, super important. Mm -hmm. And then I do have a spreadsheet because now I'm operating at a pretty high level with, you know, so much credit. These spreadsheets definitely help, but auto pay is a lifesaver. Okay. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about finances. What is the hardest lesson you have learned when it comes to finances and running a business? I think just understanding cash flow is so important. Like when you're investing money into something, you want to know when that ROI is going to come back, the return on investment, and just, you know, understanding you know, the flow of money in and money out. You know, you obviously want to invest as much as possible into the business because the more you have working for you, generally the higher the larger of roi you can create but just understanding the difference of overextending yourself and uh underextending yourself so you know using all of the resources that you have but to an extent where you're not over leveraged where then you can't pay for things back Okay, gotcha. So really being aware of where the money is, what you're spending it on, and what's going to be giving you the return so that you can actually pay and you're not in debt and you're screwed. Exactly, exactly. And then a big thing with like the business cards versus personal cards, if your credit score is good, and you're using the debt on the business side, and you can't pay it back, you can always get another business card and then balance transfer the debt. So the 0% interest is only for that introductory period, for the next six to 18 months. And then after that, you can just get another business card um, and then balance transfer the debt. So there's always an option. So in business, I always think it's, it's a no brainer to always use business credit for business, 0% business cards in the business and then using your personal savings in longer term investments because there's a better option. So even if you use the money and you can't pay it back, you can always get another card and just balance transfer the debt. Mm -hmm. Okay. How about credit? So I want to know what's the one thing you'd like people to know that's like game changer. So what's one thing you're frustrated about that people don't know about credit? I think there's a big mis miscommunication on, on debt being a bad thing versus good thing. It's a tool. So if you're using debt towards things that uh, are making you money or into an asset that's appreciating, that's good debt. If you're spending debt on like a car or you know shopping or anything that's depreciating, that's not making you money, then you know, that's bad debt. You need to use the debt as a tool for success. So when you have money that you're borrowing, I'd say at 0% and you're putting it into your business and you're gonna, you're gonna create like a 500% return, you know, that's good debt. So I think just understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt. If you're investing into something that's appreciating or making your money, making you money, then that's good debt. And that's, that's when debt is a beautiful thing. And so make sure you, you kind of have a, a clear picture of like, is it making you money? Or is it not? If it is, you know, uh, you know, spend calculated, but that's good debt. And that's, that's a good, good way to use it. 
Okay, so let's say you're investing in a new business. You have a great business idea. You want to sell a business product, and you're twenty thousand dollars in debt. And you're kind of like waiting out the wa- you're riding out the wave until the cash starts coming in. You start selling, but you know for a fact if this business works, you're gonna make I don't even know a million dollars off of it. So having that twenty k as debt for the moment should be okay because you know what? It's fine. I know for a fact I'm gonna get this amount. One hundred percent. And I think when you start starting business, you can't just uh, tippy toe, like you're either doing it or you're not. Cause I feel like if you're tippy toeing into it, spending like a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks, I mean, it's all relative, but if you're spending very small amounts of money, you know, it's so hard cause there's overhead. So you have to pay for employees, you have to pay for software, you know, there's certain, certain overhead expenses that eat up so much of your margin if you're operating at a very small level. But if you go fast, if you spend the money, you know, borrow the, borrow, borrow the money, spend the money and go fast, you know, that, that those overhead expenses are very minimal on your margin. So. That's where I think if you have a longer runway, you have more money to work with, your chance of succeeding in business is so great, so much greater. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think like you, you, it's all about preparing and at least being able to borrow the money if you need to. So even if like you don't need to borrow it right now, maybe next week or maybe next month, you need a hundred grand because an awesome opportunity comes up. It always makes the most sense to prepare and at least have the option to use the money then you're not even having the option. So it's all about preparation. Okay, I can see that. I think that's a good idea. So you were mentioning before when you apply for a business card, they check your revenue and they check all of that. So what happens when someone still hasn't made revenue? They have the idea and they need the money to start the business. How do you go about those types of situations? Great question. And so real quick, a lot of times they don't even check what your revenue is. There's no documents are required. It's just what you list on the application. There's some scenarios where they do check, but most times, more than not, they don't even check. So it's kind of like an honor system. It's like, you know, what revenue have you made? What are you projecting? And obviously you want to be truthful, but you know, the estimated figure is an, is an estimated figure. And of course we're optimistic. We're, we're assuming the business is going to do great. And so, you know, you want to list a number as high as possible. So it's just an estimate when it comes to a brand new business. I mean, the lenders know that in a brand new business, you know, things are obviously riskier, but you know, there's no revenue. They're they're just going off the estimated revenue, the business type, and then your personal credit. So that's why the personal credit is so important because that's basically the one thing that they're looking at. That's like the number one thing they're looking at. It's like how many accounts do you have on your personal credit? What does your payment history look like? Do you have 100% on-time payments? Um, how many on-time payments do you have? Is it a hundred? Is it 15,000? Maybe, maybe you have credit history of 30 years and you have 15,000 on-time payments. That's huge. So the personal credit is, um, is what really moves the needle. So anytime people open up accounts, you want to keep those accounts open because anytime you delete the accounts, it just deletes that, that uh, on-time payment history from your credit file. So um, open up a personal account every two months, not more than that. Keep those accounts open. And then you want to make sure you get a payment, an on-time payment on every single one of your cards every single month. So say you have 10 cards, but you're only using one of them. That means you're only getting one on-time payment every single month. When if you put like a subscription on each of them, you get 10 on-time payments every single month. Mm-hmm. And payment history is the number that's the biggest factor of your score. So the more on-time payments you get, the, the better off you're going to be. So when you have a new business and kind of directing back to your question, if you have a new business, you just have to make sure that your personal credit is in a very good position um, and you have a good relationship with the bank. 
And so I'll, I'll open up a business checking account at each of the banks that I apply for a business card in. And I would put some money into the bank account as well and let that money sit for like a week. So open up a business checking account, put $5,000 in the account, let it sit there for a week and then go apply for the business card and either do it on the phone, do it in branch. Um, those are the two best ways to apply. Now that you're saying all of that, I actually think that one of the biggest struggles that I had with a bank in France is kind of like a blessing in disguise because long story short, I moved from Paris away to Barcelona to another city. I had asked the bank to close the account because I didn't want to continue paying. Left. Two years later, I came back to Paris and they're like, actually, we never closed the account. So you have like 200 euros that you have to pay. But even though I had those 200 euros I had to pay, I had four years already or like six years, seven years. I don't even know how many years I had with that account. So even though I owed that money, I guess it was a blessing in disguise because of all of those payments and the rent and everything that came through. So I guess thank you for making me realize that, you know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. The, the age is a massive, massive advantage. And that's why I think a number one mistake people make. And I've made it, I've made it years ago. You know, it was closing accounts. I would open a, car, open a card, get the sign of bonus, then close it. And then I realized like, wait, it's deleting all the on-time payment history, which is what we want. And so it, I, now I know you want to keep all of them open. So besides doing on-time payments, what is one thing that people can do to increment their personal score or improve it? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, an another thing you can do is keep your utilization low. Um, that's essentially the amount of money that you're using out of the money that's lent to you. So say on the personal side, you have $40,000 that's lent to you, basically, you know, $40,000 limit collectively, and you use that money, you know, that is the percentage of the money lent to you. That's your utilization. So anything above 30% mm -hmm. utilization is considered high. Anything under 10 is ideal. And you can, you can use the money, but you want to make sure you pay it off early. So even if your statement payment due date is, you know, the first of the month, you want to pay that off a couple of days before, because whatever is reported on that payment due date, that's going to be reported to the credit bureaus for the next 30 days. So if you use the money on the personal side, you just want to pay it off as quick as possible. But that's a, that's a big reason why you want to go to the business side because the utilization doesn't report whatsoever. So keeping the utilization down um, is a really good tip. And then also there's things called hard inquiries. So anytime you, you get approved for a card or you apply for a card, they're going to check your credit. When they check your credit, they're looking or they're giving you a hard inquiry. Those can affect your score. And if you have too many in a short period of time, that will make you look more risky. So you don't want, you don't want over two hard inquiries in the last six months. So that basically uh, means you should apply, apply for like a personal card every two months, definitely not more than that. And then on the business card, you can apply for up to six, eight in one single day, but um, the personal cards are a little bit more touchy. You want to go slower with them. Okay, so basically, rather than maxing out one credit card, open multiple accounts that you can keep each of them low. Instead of spending 20000 on one credit card, open like three and spend five, ten, and ten or something like that, or five, ten, and five. On the personal side, yes. And if you have the cards on the business side, you don't have to worry about utilization. But on the personal side, that's a good strategy. Okay. What are your thoughts on international bank accounts? So like, let's say you live in the States, but you have a bank account in France or you have a bank account in Switzerland or a credit card in Switzerland or whatever it is. Do you recommend doing that? Or would you rather say, stay in the country where you're based at? To be honest, I don't have experience doing international credit cards like that, but I do know the credit system in the States is 
it's so incredible. The reward systems, um, I, I think it's like 10x better than any other credit system of any country. So I like to think if you have access to the US credit system, I would stay on those cards because the cashback benefits are incredible. The reward system is incredible. Purchase protection is incredible. Uh, basically, if you if you buy something and the product breaks, you can get your money back through the credit card company. Yeah, yeah. I I, I haven't studied many credit cards in different countries, but I would um, re research the benefits of that card. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to you know building relationships with lenders that you want to borrow money from. So if you if you are planning on moving to a country or you just moved to a country, you know you want to start building relationships with those key lenders that have the best business credit cards, in my opinion. So when you're thinking about what banks to make a relationship with, you want to research what business cards that bank has. And if they have good business cards, mm -hmm. when I say good, I usually mean like a good 0% interest business card. Um, and the longer introductory period, the better, in my opinion, it's like 18 months best. So if they do have an awesome business credit card, I would build a relationship with them. That's really fascinating. I've been trying to apply for a credit card for years, but I'm always like, oh, they don't make this amount of money in Mexico. Or like, oh, in France, like it's not worth it for you to open one. And so I'm living off my parents' credit cards. So in that case, do you think that transfers? So like in my case, like I know there's a, pe a lot of people out there. So let's say you have a family credit card, but you want to open yours. Is there a way to transfer that or do something about that so we don't start from zero? Okay. Yeah. So good question. So what you can do, you can get listed as an authorized user onto one of their accounts. So say for example, um, a family member has a credit card for the last 30 years with a $20,000 limit. They can add you as an authorized user to that account. And what that will do, it will piggyback the strength from that card and add it to your credit profile. Um, you won't have any access to that account, but it will still show up on your credit file as an authorized user it won't be weighted as heavy as a primary account, but it will definitely help and it'll increase the average age because now you have a 30 year account on your credit file. So if someone's like starting from the beginning, you want to get listed on uh, one to two um, cards as an authorized user. And you just know all of the, all of the, the things from that card will be put onto your credit file. You want to make sure the age is good. The limits high, the utilization is low. Um, no, no late payments, things like that. You want to make sure it's a good account and that can definitely give you a boost. Okay. That's a fascinating. And what you mean by authorized user is basically getting an extension of the card. So like they have the main one and you have the extension. Exactly. So the card holder would call the number on the back of the card. They would request to add you. Yeah. Oftentimes they need like your name, birth, birthday, address, social, and then uh, the card holder or card issuer would send them a card with your name on it. Mm -hmm. They would just cut the card up or they can cut the card up. You have no access to the account, but it helps your credit. Okay. Well, I love that. Then I'm definitely going to use that because I have using, I've been using my extra cards, but I never think to apply that. And they're always like, oh, you don't fit the required limit to get a credit card. And I'm like, how is that possible if I've been using my parents' credit cards under my name? So fascinating advice. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Like, I'm sure there are multiple people out there that are like, okay, what happens if I have like my brother or my husband's or whatever card? How do I create my own? So this is really useful. For sure. You, you definitely should start as soon as possible because the more access to money that you have, in my opinion, the more powerful you are because you can do more things, right? You, you can invest into more things. The more money you, you, you can borrow, the more money you can make because when you have more money working for you, you're, you know, you're generating more money. If you only have $20,000, you're not $20,000 making a 10% return. You know, imagine having $100,000 making a 10% return. You're making a lot more money, right? Yeah. 
Speaking of large amount of monies, do you have a limit that you're like, ooh, I won't go over the certain limit because that's like a dangerous amount or I'm not sure if it'll happen or is there just like sky's the limit in terms of borrowing money for you? Sky's the limit. Okay. So it doesn't matter if you're borrowing $2 million and you don't know if you're going to be able to give it back in like a month or two. You're like, yeah, give me those $2 million. More the better. I have, I have so many investment opportunities that I wish I had more money to invest in. But I think um, to, to find for, you know, maybe people that are listening don't have specifically good investment opportunities. I would try to network with people, try to network with people, see what they're invested in, you know, reach out to high net worth individuals in their network, try to see what they're invested in. And, you know, once you're in a position where you have more money, you can get into different circles of people and invest into the same things that they're investing in. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm the, the biggest advocate of the more you can borrow, the more you can make. And, you know, when, when you have more money working for you, you're, you're going to make more money. So that's where it starts with your personal credit, then getting into business credit. And you use that business credit to invest into a variety of different things. And then one thing I might add is even though you have the credit card limits with the credit cards, there's actually ways to turn the credit into cash. You can basically just run the, run the cards through different payment processors to turn the credit into cash. So like if you need cash for a real estate deal or whatever it is, you can turn the $20,000 credit card into $20,000 in cash um, minus 3% for the credit card fee, but mm -hmm. you know, it's always possible. Wow. Okay. See, those are things that I never even knew. So speaking about things that people don't know about finance finances and like credit cards and all of those things, why do you think that's such a big problem in our generation? Because we're kind of like the same age. Why do you think there is such a big gap between financial knowledge and millennials? I mean, I think it's in the best interest of the banks for people to not know, to, to not be educated, because I feel like when people are educated, they can take advantage of the system in, into their favor. And when people are not educated, they're going to fall into paying high interest. And that's when the banks and you know government makes money when people are paying very high interest. And so when there's people like me who know the entire system and know exactly how to navigate it, you know, I'm the one getting the most benefits from it because I know exactly what the system looks like. So I think the banks don't want people to find out because once they find out, they're going to, you know, they'll make less money because of it. And so I think, you know, I studied business at University of Washington, I've got a marketing degree and, you know, not once did we learn about credit cards or interest, you know, very much at all, business funding, getting loans, paying off a credit card, none of the stuff that I'm teaching in my consulting coaching program none of it was taught in college and I went to a pretty good college. So it just, it blows my mind what is taught in schools these days. And I think when, you know, when people learn stuff, like specifically stuff that I teach in my programs and the pure free value I'm trying to give out right now, I think it would definitely change people's minds. I totally agree with you. You know, I think sometimes schools really need to rethink their programs because they never teach you how to actually live. I'm 26. I'm running my own business. I still have no freaking clue how to do my taxes. Like I'm going to do my taxes for the first time in France next year, this year. And I'm like, cool. I have not even the slightest clue of what I have to do. And I look dumb when I ask questions because I'm like, what do you mean I have to do that? And they're like, oh, it's really easy. You do this. And then I'm like, okay, that made no sense, but cool. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The two things that basically every person does is pay tax and use a credit card. And those are the two things that are not taught once in school. It, it blows my mind. So those are things you have to, you have to figure it out for yourself. And um, I think that's where, you know, being business savvy comes in because, you know, when you're in business, you, it teaches you on how to figure things out for yourself. And if you figure the things out, you're going to be successful. But if you don't figure it out, then you're getting left behind. So 
you have to be proactive. You have to, you know, find the knowledge, learn the knowledge. I'm also such a big advocate of paying for paying for knowledge, basically, you know, hiring a coach, getting in different online courses, mentorship programs. Um, that's huge. You know, if you can find someone that that's done exactly what you're trying to do, pay them, pay them money. And they're going to get you there so much faster. You're going to make less mistakes. You're going to save money. You might spend five to 10 grand, but you're going to learn it immediately. And then you can start your business immediately. So maybe you can learn it in two years for free, plus the cost of mistakes, or you can pay 10 grand and learn it in a month. And then you can start grinding, you know, so the, so you look at like an opportunity cost standpoint and you're saving so much money and so much time because you can learn it quick and then start making money much quicker than figuring out yourself. And so if you find a good, good coach or mentor that that's done exactly what you're trying to do, then I'd say, don't be scared to, to shell out some cash for it. And if you, need to, if you need to get a business credit card, put the money on a business credit card. And then ideally you're making an ROI from that knowledge before you owe any interest on the card. Then you pay the interest, pay the card off and then you're, now you're good to go. Yeah. Basically, if you want to start a business, go find Jack and learn from him on the best ways to earn money, borrow money, get 15 credit cards and figure your life out. So that's definitely something, <laughs> you know, I would recommend from just listening to this conversation because I have learned so many things. But okay, tell me about what out of all of the different ventures that you've done, what has been the most challenging for you? The most challenging? Um, I think the most challenging was creating a, a travel company. Um, with my brother, Ted, we actually organized Cabo spring break trips for university students. Um, I'm in Cabo right now. We used to organize trips down here for people. And it was just, it was really hard. It was very capital intensive. It took us to invest $50,000 into hotel rooms. Um, we had to put large deposits down onto our flight contracts. There was Mexican gang violence that triggered some um, travel warnings, which made it super hard to sell trips down here. But, um, you know, we did have access to borrow money and that was a lifesaver for us yeah and i think um to spin off of uh to spin off of that that, that was the hardest one now I'm, i want to reflect on the easiest one now um i'm actually i have um, automated e-commerce stores i have one on walmart and one on amazon and basically because it's automated i have a team of people who run the entire company um, and find find products to list onto my stores and the only thing I need to do is have the credit available. So I, I finance the business and we have virtual assistants that find the products to list to the store. They do all the fulfillment, all the customer service, all the returns, literally everything. Only, only thing I need to do is just have these credit cards connected to the account and that's it. Wow. Okay. So it seems you have like a little system there figured out. In terms of investment, what is your best advice or like what is the one thing you would recommend people invest in i'll list a few for sure that's going to be cryptocurrency 100 uh like bitcoin ethereum is going up big time and i don't see any reason why it's not going to continue very bullish on cryptocurrency uh tesla stock very bullish on tesla stock and then into into your own business so if you have a business and you believe in it you know don't be scared to spend the money if, if you if you're doing it you know you, you got to give it your all or you should do something else i think so invest into cryptocurrency, invest into the US stock market and invest into your business. I was just going to ask you about that. So what are your thoughts on cryptocurrencies? Because I know it's like a buzzword nowadays and everyone's like, oh, I should invest in Bitcoin and I should invest in cryptocurrencies. So thoughts on that? I mean, I think the high, the, the, the upside potential is too high not to have any. 
I think for anyone not to have any, in my opinion, is pretty foolish because I think the upside is it's so it's so high uh, risk reward standpoint. And you know, I, I probably have the majority of my net worth in cryptocurrency, and that is definitely paying off. And I, I really think it's going to keep going. Uh, there might be some pullbacks, but I think over the, the next 10, 20 years, it's it's going to be extremely high. I think uh, because there's a, a finite amount, that's going to be pretty incredible. Specifically when the uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve is printing so much money, they're increasing the money supply by 30 to 40 percent, which is going to create, I think, you know, quite a bit of inflation. So I think it's a really good hedge against inflation with the amount of money that's getting uh, created. So uh, I think it's great. I think there's going to be a lot of utility for it, paying with Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. So if you don't have some, I would get it, get it today. Just get the Coinbase app. Just search Coinbase. You can put in 10 bucks, put in 20 bucks, put in 10,000. It's easy to start. So I think start. And also I recommend to dollar cost average. So maybe it's, you know, maybe put in a hundred dollars a week. Maybe it's a thousand dollars a week, whatever that your schedule is, just stick to a schedule and then diversify over time. And so instead of diversifying over different things, different stocks, different picks, just diversify over time. So set an amount and then just invest that amount every single you know week or month or whatever it is. Okay. That's good. Very great tips. So what's one thing you would have loved to know before becoming an entrepreneur? Back in the day, if you were to meet little Jack when he was like 18, what would you have loved for him to know? I mean, I wish I started building my credit when I was 18. I, I was to some extent, but I did not take it serious until maybe 23 or four. But I, taking, taking your credit serious really, really can put yourself in a really good position because I keep saying that the more money you can borrow, the more money you can make. And so the earlier you start, the more powerful you are going to be, you're, you're going to be financially. And I think that's just a game changer. So when you're 18 years old, get a credit card and consistently build over time. A lot of people also think like, oh, I have an 800 credit score, but they only have one credit card. That's, that isn't even having an 800 with one credit card makes no sense or it makes some sense, but it doesn't help you because it's not going to allow you to get big loans or, or business credit cards. So you want to have a high score, yes, but you want to have a very thick credit file, multiple accounts, thousands of on-time payments. So, for, so work on this, and um, you know, focus on your credit. Is what I recommend to my earlier self and anyone listening. Before I ask you my last question, and then we go into the rapid fire questions, thought just popped into my mind. Thoughts on online banking. Online banking, in terms of what exactly? In terms of, you know, you talk about all these banks, Chase, Amex, opening business accounts, opening business cards and all of those things. Is it a good step to go into online banking and getting cards or accounts from those banks or it's a big no-no and just go to the traditional ones? 100%. I think online banking is extremely beneficial and super convenient to send money around and do any sort of business dealings. I would just to research, you know, the best banks in your region or your country that has the best business credit card products because... Generally, you want to build a relationship with banks that have the good business cards. Um, so that's what I'm thinking of banks to build a relationship with. I think of what bank has the best business cards and going with them. So generally, you know, the biggest banks in your country or, or region, they'll have the best product. But do your research and, and uh, you know, and, and pick those banks. Okay. 
fascinating. So before you tell us where people can find you and where they can, I don't know, if you have a course, go get it. I have one last question to ask you before we go into the rapid fire to get to know your personality a bit. So this is the one I asked all of my guests because I'm fascinated by everything that they come up with. So I'm pretty sure you've had an experience where you feel like you were alone at some point in your life. Maybe it was a thought, it was an experience you were having, a situation, something. So tell me what that was and what kind of like would you tell people that might be feeling the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think in business in general, you can feel so alone because it gets so hard. It gets so hard. And oftentimes your friends aren't also entrepreneurs. Maybe your parents are not entrepreneurs and it's getting really hard. You're losing money in your business, but you really believe in it. And you know, your parents work nine to five jobs, your friends do, and you, know, you, don't, you don't have a network of people to support you. I think one, and you have to believe in yourself. You have to keep grinding and keep pushing and also being able to pivot um, to different things. So if one thing doesn't work, you know, pivot to something else. But I think just believing in yourself and being extremely consistent every single day. And so you, just, you have to be consistent every single day. I, I think one example is back in the travel company, one week after my brother and I put in $50,000 into hotel room inventory, there was a travel warning. So we couldn't even, we, it was so hard to sell trips to, but the only thing we could do was just keep trying. It was go into our office, which was our parents' boat garage and sit on the old couch and like DM people and try to pitch them on, on coming on a trip with us. And like, that was the only thing we could do. Like we just had to keep believing in ourselves and had to keep pushing ourselves forward. But you, ha you really want to surround yourself as much as you can uh, around other entrepreneurs, like around other business people, people that motivate you. If there's people that are giving you crap for focusing on your business, you'll then, you know, maybe consider, you know, pushing out of your life a bit, you know, at least making some distance so they don't distract you. But um, you have to, it's all about setup, your environment, it's the people that surround you and just, you know, find the things, find the people that support you, stick with them, and then just always believe in yourself and keep pushing. I love that. That's a great piece of advice. And definitely I can attest to that. It really does feel lonely sometimes. I mean, you know, you said your dad was an entrepreneur. I have no one in my family that's an entrepreneur. And still, sometimes I'm like, oh, should I be doing this? So I definitely think at all stages of business and life, you do get to the point where you're like, if I don't see anyone around me, maybe I should move, you know, to like a different circle or something. So before we go into the rapid fire, please let people know, you know, what are your current offers? What like you do for people? Obviously you mentioned coaching. Do you have a course? Do you do one-on-ones? Like where can people find you and what can they sign up for? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I mean, first things first, I have a, like a free mini course I'm giving out for free over the next couple months. It's 10 videos, talks about optimizing your personal credit, getting into business credit. If anyone wants that free course, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. My Instagram handle is king of debt. Just DM me close friends and then I'll send you the free access link to that course. Um, and then if anyone's interested in taking their credit to the next level, they want to get $100,000 in business credit. I have a full coaching program where I teach people all about that. So also just shoot me a DM on Instagram, King of Debt. And then another thing that I'm extremely involved in right now, um, I'm building people fully automated e-commerce stores where the only thing they'll need to do is have the credit available. Then I have a team of people that build the store, supply all the products. So if anyone is listening right now and has $25,000 to start, and good credit, I can build you a fully automated e-commerce website. So if that interests you, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, King of Debt, and I'd be happy to give you more information. Amazing. And you'll also find the link in the description. So before we end, let's go into the rapid fire questions. Tell me, what person, dead or alive, would you love to have dinner with if you could? 
John D. Rockefeller, okay. the richest man in modern history. Love that. Very fitting for your niche. If you could describe yourself with one word, what would that be? Adventurous. Okay. Or enterprising. It's funny, when I went into the bank the other day, uh, the guy was like, it was our local bank in, you know, in my hometown. He's like, you're quite the enterprising family. I was like, I laughed to myself. I guess that's a good thing, yeah. Oh, that's great to be known for that. So are you more of a magazine or a book type of guy? Book. I love books. I do read a lot. Okay. Morning person or a night owl? Morning for sure. Mornings are my favorite times of the day. Okay. What superpower would you have if you could choose one? To go back in time. <laughs> and change your life or just to see how things would have turned differently? To, to make different moves. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Beach or mountains for you? The beach for sure. It used to be mountains. I used to be all in the snowboarding, but now it's the beach. I love um, walking around with my shirt off, being in board shorts, and hanging out at the beach. Great. <laughs> so COVID aside, if you could choose one place to be in the world right now, where would you go? It's a good question. Um, I think somewhere in the Mediterranean, like Greece. Greece would be nice. It's funny because you're the second person today to tell me that. So I had an interview this morning and I asked the same thing and they're like Greece for sure an island. So must be something in the air. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Last question for you. Who inspires you? Who inspires me? My dad definitely inspires me. He's a great entrepreneur uh, and a great family man and a great husband and a great father. Oh, I love that. Well, that's amazing. Jack, honestly, it has been so interesting talking to you. Like you've blown my mind with all of the tips that you've given me. I know I'm going to go back to listen to this and take some notes for myself and see what I can implement. And I'm going to try that strategy for you in France and let you know. I'll report back on how that actually works with credit cards Perfect, and all yeah. of that. So you can add that to your repertoire later on. Like I'll give you the tips on France. <laughs> love it. Love it. Thanks again for coming on and thank you for sharing your strategies. Thank you for letting people know where they can sign up and where they can learn from you. And just thank you for, you know, being so open and giving free advice and just coming on with such an open spirit. I'm sure people will learn a lot from this episode. And as usual, you'll find the links to the description to Jack's Instagram and his website. And if you want to reach out to me as well, at Pretty Sure Podcast on Instagram. So thanks again, Jack, for coming on and I will see everyone next week. Awesome, Sabrina. Thank you. Peace out, everybody.